You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. But uh, Romans chapter 10, it says this in verse 9, And what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare, everybody say publicly. This is, this is real important. And that word declare means to confess. It's a legal term. It's a legal term just like a confession in a courtroom. And I don't know if you've noticed, God uses a ton of legal terms in the Bible. There's all kinds of, of legality. Even in the, the last day, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. He, he will judge the world. That, that's going to be like a courtroom setting. And we know that if those who are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ will be, will be found innocent, man, he'll look and go, oh, you're innocent because your sins have been removed by the blood of your Lord Jesus Christ. You're innocent. Enter into, enter into my kingdom. Others will be found guilty who have rejected the love and goodness and salvation, the rescue effort of God. If they re- reject the rescue, God's come to rescue us. And we'll talk more about that here in just a few minutes. From what? He's come to rescue us. And, and when you reject the, it's like me throwing, you're, you're, you're drowning in an ocean, and I throw you the, 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 the donut-looking thing. I throw you the donut and say, grab a hold, I'll pull you in, and you go. You throw it back to me. Well, is that my fault you drowned? It's your fault. All you had to do is grab it, and I'll pull you right on in. Well, Jesus has thrown us the line, and if you throw it back to him or you reject it, you'll drown. You'll be sentenced. You'll be found guilty. But he don't want to. He, he'll throw it to you and throw it to you and throw it to you. He, even if you throw it back, he'll keep throwing it to you. He'll keep on. You throw it back, he'll reel it back in and throw it back to you. He'll keep doing it to your last breath. At your deathbed, he'll throw it to you. To your last breath, he'll keep throwing it to you. Because he wants everyone to be saved. That's his heart. But everyone's not going to be saved. Because we have a choice. We have a decision we have to make. And here's, here's the decision. For we have to publicly declare or confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead you will experience salvation then. then. God wants us to experience salvation, what it's like to be saved. In this life, not just in heaven, but in this life, he, he wants us to know what it's like to be saved, to be rescued. You know, I start off every morning thanking him. I thank him. The first thing I thank him for, I don't even get out of bed. I thank him and say, God, thank you. You rescued me when I was 18 years old. You rescued me. I don't even know all what you rescued me from other than I know you rescued me from hell. But I also know because I see other people's lives who weren't rescued through their 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 later teens and their 20s and 30s. And I'm like, God, thank God you... Thank you so much. You rescued me that I don't have to have to experience what I'd already been experiencing up to that point was a domination of sin in my life. Oh, man, he rescued. I thank him for rescuing me. Every morning I thank him. He wants to rescue everybody. 
And he wants me to experience salvation. So I thank him for rescuing me because I have experienced what it's like to be saved, to be rescued. To know that my, when I die, I go to heaven so I don't have to fear death any longer. To know that I'm free, that sin no longer has a right to dominate and control me. I'm in control of my decisions. I get to decide if I want to walk God's way or devil because he set me free to choose. Before you know Jesus Christ as Lord, you are not delivered and you are not free. Sin is running your life and ruining your life until you know. But when you know, then you're going to experience salvation in this life. What it's like to be free. Not a perfect life. It's going to be, Jesus said, it's going to be tribulation in this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Like, turn to me and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to be an overcomer over every single circumstance of your life. You will not end up at the bottom. You'll end up at the top if you'll stick with me. No matter what happens to you. No matter what others do to you. No matter what others say to you. You know, I'm talking about this, this Sunday. We talked about him as... Christ, Messiah, the anointed one last Sunday, talking to you this Sunday uh, about him as King and Lord. King and Lord. Lord of Lords, King of Kings is his title. It's written on his gown and it's written on his thigh. What does that mean? Supreme authority. Total, absolute rule over everyone and everything. That's why I'm going on that 40-day walk. Because I'm going to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and ask him to overrule the leaders and government of the state of New Mexico. Because they don't get the final say. They don't get the final say. God gets the final say. If his people called by his name will humble themselves and pray and forsake evil, he will hear from heaven, he will answer, and he will heal. He will hear and heal our land because they don't get a final say. He's above them in all authority on, in heaven and in earth. Now, before Jesus, Satan was in all authority. He had all authority over, oh, not over heaven, but over earth. Complete authority. How did he get it? Well, before we get to that, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 7. I'm just going to talk a little bit more about the lordship issue because it's vital that you not only ex, uh, confess him as Lord, but you experience him as Lord and you experience true salvation. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Jesus is teaching this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, otherwise you're, you're the master, you're my, Lord, Lord means master, master, king, king, you're the supreme authority in my life. You know, a lot of people want Jesus to be prominent in their life. Otherwise, he has some influence on you. Prominent. Yeah, you know, I can go to church, and I go to church, I can tithe, and I tithe, I can serve, I'm not serve. I can do this, I can do that. I can act this way at work if I want to. I can act like Christian, not act like Christian. I can act this way in relationships. I can act this way in business. I can just act however I want to. He's prominent. He has some influence on me, but he's not what he wants to be. And what he says he has to be, that's pre Eminent. Preeminent means surpassing all others. So for him to be, for us to confess Jesus as Lord, we're saying that in our life, his influence, his direction, 
his thoughts, his rules surpass all others in our life. Doesn't mean others have influence, but they don't have, they don't have preeminent influence. Otherwise, my wife can influence me, but she can't influence me to not do the word of God. My kids have influence with me, but they are not going to influence me to not do the word of God. If I have to choose between them and the word, I'm always choosing the word. Because Jesus is not prominent in my life. He's preeminent. He is the absolute final word and authority on everything I do. And God didn't expect us to be perfect at it. He expects us to be progressive at it. Otherwise, we're constantly moving, not just closer to him, but we're moving more submitted to him. We're more submitted to his rule and his reign over our life. It's vital. Listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven's kingdom. Kingdom. It is only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. Only those who persist, who continually say, you know what, I'm going to just continually grow and being submitted and doing the will of God. Where do we get the will of God? Right here. This is our rule book. This is the, when God said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, here's the keys. The keys is the word of God. This is the key to the king, the keys to the kingdom. It tells you all about the kingdom here. And if there's a kingdom, then there has to be a king. Not a president, not a prime minister, not a democracy, definitely not socialism or communism. There's just a king. Do you know the best rulership? Seriously. The best way to rule a nation is with a king. If you have a king that's uncorruptible. If you have a king that power can't corrupt him. If you have a king that loves the people more than his own life. Then the best form of government is a king. Unfortunately, other than Jesus Christ, there's no human being that doesn't end up being corrupted. Or that doesn't end up choosing himself over the people. But the best form of government is a king. Not a bunch of people trying to get on the same page to make a decision. But a, 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 a person, an entity that loves people. Willing to lay down his life for his people. So he sets rules and regulations that are a blessing to the people. His heart is benevolent to them. And there's, it doesn't take 50 people to try to get an agreement. Man, guys, to get, to get a whole group of people to get an agreement is like hurting cats. I can't even get all the people in my car to agree on a restaurant. I can't imagine how hard it is in Washington, D.C. and Santa Fe to get people to agree to anything. Why? Because everybody has their own opinion, their own thoughts. That's why the best form of government is a king. But it has to be a king that's holy. It has to be a king that's righteous. Has to be a king that's willing to lay down his life for his people. Has to be a king that is perfect in holiness. Perfect in right. Has to be a king that's not. He doesn't act justly. He is justice. He does everything right. When you have a king like that, that's the perfect form of government. Everything flows from that. We think our democracy or our republic is a perfect form of government. 
difference between a democracy and a republic, in a democracy, everything gets voted on. That's not how we operate. We have a representative government where we, we vote in people that go and represent us, and they vote on all those issues. That's a republic, not a democracy. A true democracy, we'd have to vote. Everything that happens in D.C., we'd have to vote on. We'd be voting every day. We'd have to go to the polls three or four times a day and vote on stuff, maybe more. Probably be better. If you have a righteous people. If you have an unrighteous people, that'd be horrible. But that's the difference between it. We have a republic, not a true democracy. But that, that's the best form of man's government that man can come up with. But the best form of government is to have a king that is Lord of Lords and King of Kings that is holy and perfect, and he isn't, he isn't loving, he is love. He isn't good, he, he's, he doesn't just act good, he is good. He's the essence of good. He's the source of all goodness. That's the best form of government you could ever have, and that's the one I have submitted to. And he said, on the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles in your name? Why does he use these examples? Because he's saying even people who claim to do all the things I told you to do, he told us to do all those things, to prophesy. Prophesy means doing what I'm doing right now. I'm explaining the word of God to you. There's a difference between prophecy and prophesying with uh, explaining the word and actually being a prophet. Totally different. He said, we should all desire to prophesy. That means we not tell the future. We should all desire to be able to explain the word of God to those around us. All of us should, should desire that. And so, he, he, so we should desire to prophesy. We should desire to lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name and see miracles happen. We should desire to cast out demons. We, he's given us authority over demons in his name. Because he has all authority. Over heaven and earth. But he said, he's using this example to say, even people who tried to act out my will with a wrong, that I wasn't really the Lord of their life, that their motives were wrong, even they aren't going to enter. Because I was not their Lord. Their motive was money. Their motive was a pat on the back. Their motive, they wanted everybody to like them, or they wanted everybody to worship them, or they wanted everybody to thank them. They, 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 all their motives were wrong. Because he's the God of the heart. He looks beyond the outside and looks at our heart, which I'm grateful for on many days. And then on other times, I'm like, God, you need to fix my heart. I thank you for a couple amens out there that I'm not the only one that... But he said this, but I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. I was never your Lord. I was never your Lord. And this is the difference between heaven and hell right here. When you're in a, when you're in a relationship, do you function? Do you think of that relationship according to the word? Or, or according to the world? Your flesh or the devil. The three things we have to overcome is the world, our flesh, and the devil. The only way to overcome that is to submit to the Lord. When you're submitted to the Lord, he'll deliver you from your own flesh's desire. He'll deliver you, not perfectly, but progressively. He'll progressively deliver you from the world's influence, the devil's influence, and your own flesh pulling you out of the will of God. 
But that only can be done if you're submitted to the Lord. Listen, a lot of people don't have a Jesus Messiah problem. I talked about the Messiah in Christ last week. They don't have a Messiah. I want to be saved, but I don't want a Lord. A lot of people want to be saved, but they don't want a boss. They don't want a king. Jesus is saying, without me being Lord and King, the, the preeminent voice in your life, the absolute supre supreme authority over you, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. This isn't I'm doing it my way stuff. This is I'm doing it Jesus' way stuff. My kids know, my wife knows, the staff. I'm going to the Word. You ask me a question, I don't know an answer. I'm going to the Word. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to the Word. Why? Because that's submission. How do I treat my wife? According to the Word. According to the Word. Man, some people think that, you know, golly. I've had people say to me, man, I want a marriage like yours. I'm like, no, you don't. You want a marriage. What you really want is not what Julie and Troy have produced. Because Julie and Troy produced misery the first two years of our marriage because it was Julie and Troy. When we submitted our marriage truly to the Lordship of Christ, that's when we got a good marriage. What you want is a marriage the way Jesus has described it, with Him as Lord over both of you. When He's Lord over both of you, husbands will love the wife. And wives will respect and treat their husbands with respect. And husbands will love and treat their wives as Christ laid down His life for us. Husbands will lay down their lives for their wives. And women will respect their husbands. And God said in everything. When you do it God's way, when you do it God's way, the kingdom way, according to the, to the rules of the king, you get, kings, you get the kingdom results. Now, I know submission is an ugly word, but God says to husbands and wives, submit to one another. It's not just the wife submit. It's both of you submit to your role. Husbands to love as Christ loved the church, and women to submit to their husband as, as the church is submitted to him. It's all a comparison to who? Not Julie and Troy. Jesus in the church. That's what you want to copy your marriage at. And when we finally submitted it, that's when things began to happen. Why is that? How come things began to happen? Well, it's because of what he says uh, in two books of the Bible. Go with me to uh, Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 6. It is. You're right there in Matthew 7. Flip a page. You go to Matthew 6. And see what he says in verse 33. He says this. So above all, constantly seek God's what? Kingdom. So if there's a kingdom, there's a king. And if there's a kingdom, then we should be seeking the kingdom. Jesus would say all the time, and this is how the kingdom of God is, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he'll give an example. It's like this. It's like that. It's like this. He's constantly talking about the kingdom. Constantly talking about, and I'll get to why. I'll get to why here in just a moment. But he's constantly talking about the kingdom. He said, listen, when you seek the kingdom, when you constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, then all these less important things will be what? Given to you abundantly. That's what it says in the Passion Version. Given to you. He'll just give it to you. When you give God preeminence in your life and you seek the kingdom first, not what you want, 
not what you want others to do for you, not all this other doesn't you can do that stuff, but it can't be preeminent. Only God, only the Lord Jesus can be preeminent. When he's preeminent, and you, you focus on seeking the kingdom on how I treat people in my home, how I act at business, how I act in life, how I act around friends, how I act at the movie theater, how I act. When you seek the kingdom first, and you, you will get God's undivided attention. When you give the kingdom your undivided attention, God said, I'll give you my undivided attention. A lot of the problem in the body of Christ is not a Messiah issue, Savior issue, Christ issue. It's a Lordship issue. And a lot of people aren't free from a lot of sin in their life, not because they don't want a Messiah and a Savior, it's because they don't want a Lord. And when you reject Him as Lord, you're also rejecting His deliverance from the world, your flesh, and the devil. And a lot of people come to church that aren't free. This is the issue. You still, you want him to save you, but you don't want him to be king and Lord. And only as Lord will he deliver you from this world into his kingdom. Into his kingdom. He said, if you love me, you obey me. If you love me, you obey me. Now go with me to Luke. You know what? Can you find Luke chapter 12 back there, verse 31, in the uh, NIV or a different version? Luke chapter 12, verse 31. Can you throw that up on the screen when you get that? Just, just signal me somehow and let me know it's up there, and we'll go back to that. Because uh, it's, it's better read in, in another version. But, but I, I just want to emphasize to you that Man, the more you submit to his lordship, the more he's going he's gonna to bless you. The more he's going to deliver you. The more he's going to help you. You know, what I learned when Julie and I were having all these marriage troubles, what I learned was when I went to God about it, because I went to God. I, I tried everything I knew to do, and that was stupid because I wasted two years doing my thing. You know, standing up to my wife and, you know, demanding this. And she was doing the same thing. And we wasted two years on all that flesh. But when I went to God and said, God, man, I can't fix this. He said, it's about time you figured that out. And he said, I got a, I got a woman problem. Her name is Julie. Julie Jean Johnson. I called her by a maiden name. And she said, no, you don't have a woman problem. He said, you have a man problem. I said, what does that mean? He said, you're the problem. And he said, you're not submitted to me in your marriage. I'm not the Lord over you. You act the way you want to act. You don't do what I told you to do in the word. And he said, I told you to lay down your life for your wife. I told you to lay down your life the way I've laid down my life for you. He said, Troy, have I been patient with you? Yes, Lord. You've been extremely patient. He said, why don't you be patient with her? She don't know how to be a wife. She's never been one. Just like you don't know how to be a husband. Why aren't you patient with her? Have I been kind to you, Troy? I said, God, I cried. God, you've been unbelievably kind to me. You've not repaid me according to my sins at all. Thank you, Father. He said, why aren't you kind to her? I mean, he, he, he got me. You know what he did? He spoke to me about the kingdom. He said, I'm the king. 
And this is how the kingdom operates. And if you want to operate by the kingdom, then you'll get my undivided attention in your marriage. And I'll begin to give you everything you need in your marriage. Little did I know Julie was doing the same thing down the hallway from me. When she saw me doing it, she went and did it. And she submitted. And we both submitted to the king. Our marriage. We've submitted our children. We've submitted generations to come in my family. My grandchildren and their children. We've submitted this church. We've submitted the ministry to who? The king. To the king. And he doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he expects you to be consistently, passionately seeking the kingdom. You want answers? Go to the, go to the rules of the kingdom. Go to the declaration of independence in the kingdom of heaven. Go to, the, go to the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. It's all written in here. Everything's written in here that pertains to life and godliness. Everything you need, the kingdom's rules are in here. And it's so vital that we understand that. It's so important. Not just to get the blessings of God, but to go to heaven. You have to be submitted to the Lord. You have to understand lordship. Pastor Sean said something interesting to me. He said, after you preached, it really surprised me. How, how, you know, there were hands that went up, but not as many hands as he thought, but I knew why. I, every time I teach on lordship and kingship, less people. When I talk about savior, people are, I want to be saved. When I talk about lordship, not as many hands go up. Because more people want a savior than a lord, than a king. And let me tell you something. For him to be savior, he's got to be lord and king. You want to be saved? He's got to be lord and king. You have to confess with your mouth publicly. Confess with your mouth publicly. Now I said I would come back to that. That's a legal term. Confession's a legal term. So if I went to court and I said, hey, I, I confess I'm innocent. Well, what else would I have to have in order to be found innocent? Evidence. There'd have to be some evidence that I'm innocent. When you confess Jesus Christ is Lord, there needs to be some evidence that he really is. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because I, just, I found this to be true, and, I, and this is not true just to me, but this is God too. I never saw Jesus rebuke sinners the way he rebuked hypocrites. You guys know what I'm talking about? He worked. He called them snakes, vipers. He said their father was Satan himself, the hypocrites. Now, the woman caught in adultery, he didn't say any of that to her. The tax collector, he missed her, didn't say anything like that to her, them. He knew their, that they were serving Satan, but they weren't hypocrites. He rebuked hypocrites more than anything, and this is, I understand why. Because I've seen people raised in a homes where there was no God. Easier, they were easier to minister to than those raised in a home where they claimed to know God. They called him Lord, but they were hypocrites. They weren't submitted to him in all kinds of areas of their life. And it is harder for me to deal with the children that come out of that, the hypocrisy, than it is to see the kids that come out of the world. Because they don't trust God. Because they see mom and dad say, trust God, and then they see him act in the flesh. They say, uh, Jesus is Lord, but they don't see him after, uh, 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 consistently operate by kingdom principles and kingdom rules. They see him operate by the world's rules. And that hypocrisy 
That hypocrisy sows more bad seed into kids than never hearing about it. That's why Jesus said to the hypocrites, he said it point blank, you go to places and try to tell them about you, about me, but because of your hypocrisy, they become a worse child of hell than before you ever showed up and told them about me. Guys, we can't live hypocritically. We're destroying people doing that. I didn't say perfectly. I just said hypocritically. When we walk out of church and say, man, that was so good. God is so good. I love him as Savior. And then Friday night shows up and it's party time. Something happens in the home, then it's, oh, man, blankety-blank this and blankety-blank that and blankety-blank them and blankety, I'll never forgive them. I hate them and all the world stuff just constantly coming out. He's not Lord when we do that. It causes tremendous damage in the world. It's real important we understand who we are. There's only, do you realize God only recognizes two people and everybody else is a copy of those two? Pastor, what are you talking about? I'll show you in the Word. Where do we go? We go to the Word, amen? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll show you in the Word. He only recognizes two people. Everybody else is a copy of those. You're either one or the other. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, for it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The first man, Adam, he was the first man. He was the very first one, became a living soul. God uses two different words here. He breathed life into Adam and gave him a living soul. That's this. Mind, will, and emotions. He gave Adam an intellect. He gave Adam, uh, uh, he gave him a will. He breathed in Adam and gave him a living soul. Then what he did was, if, uh, well, let's, let's keep reading. I'm going to go back here in just a minute. Then he said this, the last Adam. So there's only two Adams. Everybody's from one of these two. First Adam or the last Adam. There's no Adams in between and no Adams after them. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. First Adam had a living soul. The last Adam, he came and was a life-giving spirit. He's talking about what's going on in you. How do I know that? Let's keep reading. However, the spiritual didn't come first. The natural precedes the spiritual. So we are born, when Jesus talked about being born again, he said we are born of water and blood. When, when a, a woman's water breaks, we're born of water. Our bodies are like 70% water. Our, we're born of water. And he said, then you have another birth born of blood, which is the blood of Jesus. Some of us have birth. Some of us were born to the flesh like Adam in the natural, and then we were born. Thank you. I knew someone would know this. We were born again by the blood of Jesus. And here's why. He explains it. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is Yahweh. That means Lord from the realm of heaven. The first one made from dust has a race. Everybody say race. A race of people just like him who are also made from the dust. Otherwise, the people who are not born again are still living in the flesh. What did he make? Out of dust, Adam's flesh. 
What, is, what does it mean to live by the flesh? It means you have your confidence in yourself or other people or a government, people. Your confidence in people. What does it mean to be born of blood and be born again? You have your confidence in God. There's only two races of people on the planet. It's not black, white, brown, purple, yellow. None of that matters. It's not African, American, Mexican. It's not, it's none of that. It's not Chinese. There's only two real races of people on the planet. He said, the first one made from dust has a race of people just like him who are also made from dust. The one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people, kingdom people, who are just like him. Once we carried the likeness of a man of dust, but now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of man is ruled by Satan. The kingdom of God is ruled by the Lord of lords and King of kings. His name is Jesus. Those are two kingdoms, two races. Two kingdoms, only two kingdoms and only two races. You're either a copy of the last Adam, and you have the life-giving spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that you're a different person. Or you're still a copy of the first Adam, and your confidence is in your own flesh and in the flesh of others. That's how socialism and communism were birthed. Socialism was birthed because they said, we have more confidence in, in government than we do in God. So socialism takes over all the means of production, takes over transportation, all the major industries. Socialism takes over and says, how and when you can try. That's, what, that's what's happening now. All electric, forcing us into all electric cars. Not the economy, not the, not the marketplace doing it, the government forcing it. Oh, they got good reasons. But they're saying that they are in authority over God and that our confidence should be in them. Communism takes it to a whole nother level. It says, you will live where I tell you to live, go where I tell you to go, not go where I tell you to go. Matter of fact, we're going to build walls around our country, not because people are fighting to get in, because we're not letting any of you out. Because man is God. That's the first Adam. The first Adam chose. He said, he said I'm going to be like God. I chose, I choose, I choose to rebel against God and act like I'm God. And he put confidence in Eve and in his own flesh. That's why he sinned. It says the first Adam, through the first Adam, all men fell because of his disobedience. But from the second Adam, all men can be saved through his obedience. Obedience to what? The kingdom. Obedience to the kingdom. Adam wasn't a manager of earth. Let me show you this one last thing. Put up first, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 for me. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. This is the first, this is the first human being that God recognizes, that you're either a copy of him still, or the second Adam, Jesus. He said, let them have dominion. 
Another word for dominion is rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. A lot of times I've even mentioned and others have mentioned that we're managers. Adam was a manager. Adam wasn't a manager. If, I, if you employed me at your store to be the manager and someone came in and said, I want to buy the store and I sold it to them, is that legal? In fact, you probably fired me. You can't sell my store. You're not the ruler. You're not the owner. Adam could not have signed over the earth to Satan unless God had given him rulership. He couldn't just be a manager. He had total dominion and rule. So Adam, through his rebellion, thinking he was bigger than God or equal to God, signed over the rule to Satan in the hope. Guys, listen to me. The whole earth was dominated by Satan. Whole earth. When Jesus offered, when Satan offered Jesus the, to rule over the entire earth, he had a right to offer it because he was ruling and reigning through people over the entire planet. Was demon worshipers, idol worshipers, they were demon possessed. I mean, the whole, if you look at any history, they all were killing people from the Aztecs to the Babylonians to the Chinese. They were murderous. Two big dictators destroying each other, killing each other. It was awful. God had to go find Abraham and say, Abraham didn't find God. God found Abraham and said, I'm going to make a people out of you that will worship me. Because no one was looking for him. Not one human being. God had to find somebody that he thought had a heart that could believe it. But he had to appear to him to get him to. He only had one people on the entire planet, and they went back and forth all the time between demons and God. Only one people on the entire planet served God, the Jews. No one else served him. No one else wanted to serve him. The earth was ruled by Satan. And if you stay under the authority, and you don't come on, out from underneath the authority of Satan who Adam gave the earth to under, under Jesus' lordship, then you're still under that rule. Satan's ruling you. Sin is dominant. You think, you're, you think you're making cool decisions to go do this, that, and another thing? Oh, no, you're not. Satan's ruling you. The only way to come out from that rule is to come underneath the King of kings and Lord of lords who has all authority. And you come into his kingdom. And he creates a different race of people inside of you. And guys, we're supposed to let people see his kingdom through us. Listen, all eyes closed. Man. He loves you. He wants to save you. But you can't be saved unless he's the Lord. That you're not just saying, you know, God, you can have some influence, but I'm still going to do what I want to with my relationships, with my sex life, with my money. I'm just going to keep on doing what I want to do with my attitude, my personality. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I want to, God. You're okay with that, right? That's what people are saying now. I hear them, I read articles all the time. Yeah, I'm in faith. I, I believe in God. And, you know, I had a struggle with my faith versus this sin. But I've made peace with it. But can I tell you something? God had not made peace with it. He won't make peace with sin. 
He said, what does light have to do with darkness? He won't make peace with our sin. That'd be the worst thing he could ever do for us individually and for all of mankind. And he's not going to do that. He loves us too much. He's not going to make peace with your sin either. He's not going to make peace with you when you don't want him. You want him to save you, but you don't want him to be the Lord of your life. You don't want to submit your life to him. You don't want to surrender and trust that he has, gosh, I trust Jesus. He knows the past, the present, and the future all at once. He has my best interest at heart all the time because he loves me. He's my savior. He laid down his life to save my life. How much more can he do to prove that he's trustworthy, that we could surrender our life to him, and that he knows better than we do? And that he knows better than Satan does. Jesus had to come back as a man to take back what Adam had given away. Because a man gave it away, only a man could come back and take back the title. Guess what? Jesus is the title holder now. He has authority over all heaven and earth. The whole universe. And he's the one that loves you. He's the one that not only says, I want to be your king, but I'm going to be your big brother. I'm going to be your father. We're going to be family. Your, your family members is the king of kings and lord of lords. Wow. What an offer. you have to surrender so if that's you and you you want to surrender whether online thank you for joining us or here in this room thank you for being here and you want to surrender your life for the first time and actually confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Lord of your life This is the right time to do it. He's throwing back that lifeline to you. And for those of you who have ran away from him, you didn't fall, you didn't, you ran away. You, you chose to be where you are today. Guess what? Because you chose to run, walk away from him, it didn't mean he chose to walk away from you. He's with you. He's right here, right now, waiting for you to turn around. If you chose to walk away, then you can chose to come, choose to come home. Come home. Choose right now to come home. He's throwing the lifeline back out to you. He never pulled it back into you. So whether it's your first time or your next time, online, send us a message right now. It's my first time. It's my next time praying. Here in this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high boldly. Boldly. Boldly and say, I'm going to get right with God before I leave here. I'm going to surrender my life to His Lordship. I want Him to save me, but I... I know that he has to be Lord. I want him to be Lord. He knows better than I do. And he loves me. And then right after that, we'll pray. Right where you're seated. So here we go. Online, send us a message in this room. One, two, three. Raise your hand up and say, it's me. Praise God. All over this room. Man, that's awesome. That's incredible. Let's pray. Let's pray, church. Let's pray with all these online. Let's pray with all these in this room. Let's all pray together. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And I believe 
You love me. And you sent Jesus. He died for my sins on the cross. You raised him from the dead and proved that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Because I believe that, I confess my sins to you. The ones I know about and even the ones I didn't know about. And I ask you to forgive me for all of them. And because of the blood of Jesus, I receive a full pardon. All of your forgiveness for all of my sins right now and I say out of my mouth I confess publicly from my heart that Jesus is the Lord of my life I surrender my whole life to you teach me by your word and by the Holy Spirit how to live in the kingdom to set an example that others see that you love them too. And you are the king. I pray, I ask you for this. And I thank you and receive it now. So be it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's thank God for our good news. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.